This morning we're going to dig into the reality of the fact that we go after a lot of stuff that even though we might want it, it's desirable, it's attractive, it doesn't mean that it's good for us. So let's just posture our hearts for a moment. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you speak to us this morning through your word. I thank you, Father, that your word is holy and usable for teaching. And we thank you, God, that we can come before you and trust in you to reveal the truth of your scripture to us. Minister to our hearts this morning, Lord God. Amen. The reality is, is that we go after things and we convince ourselves of things and we chase after things that we want to believe are good for us, but the reality is, is that they are far from that. They're far from that. If you're being honest and brave with yourself at the moment, you'll probably realize that there's times in your life where you have chased after things that you have thought or convinced yourself are things that you need or want or desire or are good for you, but in reality, you're just using them to replace what you really need. Sometimes things just really aren't good for us. Good things actually can even become bad when they're not done in their right place. It's true. A few years ago, uh, I had a friend of mine show up on our doorstep from out of province. Uh, he, came, he came to Maria's in my house back when we lived in Blueberry and uh, knocked on our door, showed up on our doorstep. Hadn't seen him for a long time and he, he strode right on in and uh, he, sound, he said that he was doing great and his words sounded like he was doing great but the reality is, uh, is that his heart and in his voice you could tell that something wasn't right. There was heartbreak. You know, he shared with us that he was uh, leaving his wife and leaving their new kids, and he had, found, uh, he had found someone else. But what his eyes and his actions were really saying was that uh, he was too far into a mess that he had created for himself to actually find a way out. You know, he had traveled thousands of kilometers to show up at our doorstep unannounced, to tell us of the great decisions that he was making and the direction that he was going and how confident he was about what he was doing. But the reality is, is that he was far from any of those things. The reality is, is that he had chased after something that he thought was good, but really it was bringing him death. And you know, after months of living with us, he, he, he settled in. I said, hey, you know what? You need to stay for a bit. Uh, we need to figure some stuff out. We gotta walk through some life together. He stayed with us. Uh, we got him set up in a, in a bed downstairs. And eventually, after some time, we even brought his wife and his kids over uh, from out of province to stay with us for a period of time. And, and it came opportunity as we walked through life and we dealt with things and we faced issues head on. There came opportunity after time to trust again, for rebuilding again after the fire, for having life again after the disaster. There's hard conversations that had to be had about, hey, are, are you actually okay? Hey, what are you actually running from? What brokenness exists in your heart today that you're trying to fill with things that actually aren't good for you? What my friend would, would tell you is, um, and I think you might tell yourself if you're brave enough this morning, is that we do the very things that we ought not to do, Right? You've probably, you've probably encountered that. You've done the very things that you know you should not be doing. You do the very things 
that you know after the fact for you're ashamed of. You wonder, why on earth did I just do that? We get caught up in it all, and we, we don't even know how to turn back when we get caught up in it because we want to justify the direction or the course that we're on now. We don't want to admit that we've failed because our life so far has already been full of so many failures. We don't have the capacity to face that, and so it's easier just to tell ourselves a story so we can keep pressing on, so we don't have to deal with the hurt, so we don't have to face loneliness, so we don't have to understand rejection again, and we don't have to let ourselves down or people down that are around us. We got caught up in it all, and sometimes we don't know how to turn back. So we try to make the mess as normal as we can. Today we're talking from Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 in the Bible. Why do we do what we don't want to do? And before you start, you know, thinking about, man, I wish so-and-so was listening to this message today. Oh, this is perfect for my cousin. This is perfect for my brother. This is perfect for so-and-so. No, no, scratch all that. What's God showing you in your life today that you got to figure out? Now, I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. What I know for a fact is if you're watching right now and you're pondering some of this, why do I do the very things that I know I shouldn't be doing, and you're walking through this in your heart and your mind right now, you are trying really, really hard to either turn off the TV, walk another direction, or pretend that this doesn't pertain to you. But the reality is, is it does. It pertains to you as much as it pertains to me. The reality is, is that we... We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have done the very things that we ought not to be doing. And sometimes we just try to normalize it and get others on board to help us normalize it because we don't want to face the reality that we have to make a course correction. We don't want to face the reality that it's time to come face to face with our actions and actually deal with them. Why do we do what we don't want to do? Why do we chase after what's not good for us? Just like we chased after those burgers and we have had a taste of it and you try to convince yourself that maybe this was a good idea but, but really, in reality, I'm thankful that we admitted to ourselves early on that this was not a good choice. For if we had continued on, we would have eaten that bag of burgers, all five each, and we would have been sicker than sick, not only in moments, but in the days after. It would have been a bad decision that had real-life consequences. But there's things that we do in our lives that actually have spiritual consequences in our hearts. They have spiritual consequences in our lives that actually separate us from God. So today we want to look at what does it look like to get back on track and I think first part is, number one, admitting that we've been deceived. I've been deceived by the attractiveness of sin. You know, if it, was, if it was easy to tell what sin was, and it was easy to tell what was right and what was wrong, we wouldn't have so many issues like we have in the world today. But you see, Satan is pretty sneaky, and what he does is he thinks that he can convince us, and often he does convince us that the very things we ought not to be doing are the very things that we want the most. It's like if I tell you right now, don't think about the purple elephant. All you're going to start thinking about is a purple elephant. And everybody's, you're in your living room right now, and you're thinking about a purple elephant. You're probably thinking about one of the ones from Dumbo, you know, the one of the heffalumps or something. That's probably what you're thinking about right now. You can't help yourself now, because now it is there, it is in your mind, and that's all. Liam's, Liam's like, oh yeah, amen. He gets it. 
He's behind the camera. I can see him shaking his head. He's like, mm -hmm, yeah, thinking about them pink elephants, purple elephants. The reality is, is that Satan works really hard to grab a hold of our attention with the things that are attractive to us. I don't know what's attractive to you, but Satan knows. And he does a good job at drawing our eyes or our emotions that direction. So number one is realizing that I have been deceived by the attractiveness of sin. Now this is what we see in Romans chapter 7. What shall we, say, what shall we then say? That the law that God has given us is sin? No, by no means is it. Yet if, I had not be, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet, right? You wouldn't, know, you wouldn't be thinking about a purple elephant if I didn't tell you to think about a purple elephant. You wouldn't know what coveting is unless the law said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandments came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death in me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and, though, and through it, it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. And we'll pick up on the rest of that in just a moment. When we dig into the Bible, we look at the beginning, and we learned, we learned at the very beginning that God has called us to be one with him. When he created us, we were created to be sin-free. We were created to actually have freedom. Can you imagine what it would be like to actually have real freedom? To live in a perfect relationship with God, to have no outstanding debts between us and him. But that changed when Adam rebelled and sin became one with our humanity. And, and the law that we find in the early ancient scriptures speaks of God's holiness and man's sin, and it shows us what actions of our hands and the intentions of our hearts are sinful. It shows us that the reality is, is no matter how much we work at it, we cannot bridge the gap between our lives and God's righteousness. We need an intermediary, desperately. And that's spoken about in the ancient scriptures, in the ancient texts. We need a go-between between us and God because the reality is no matter what we do, no matter how hard we work, we cannot earn enough to be beside the Lord. What we do see when we look at the law, when we look at God's law, is that it reveals our sin to us. And I like what it says in James chapter 1. Don't let anybody say when you're tempted that God is tempting you. I'm sure you've heard a lot of folks say that before. Oh, God's just tempting me. Listen to the scripture. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Interesting. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin's sneaky. It, it sneaks up on us, and it takes the opportunities to get into our lives by any means necessary. It's true. 
and we take opportunity and when we indulge in these things to actually allow sin into our lives. But make, make no mistake, it will deceive you. And it will grow up and it will kill you. It's probably, I, know I wasn't going to share this this morning, but I had, a, I had a close friend a long time ago. And you know what, this story, this story of his, it is always, always, always in the front of my mind, especially when we're talking about when sin is conceived, it gives, or sorry, when, when, desi- when that di- desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when that sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death, or sorry, it brings forth death. And that passage is always in my mind in relation to this friend of mine. And this friend of mine was in a trap, and it started when he was young, when he was just eight years old, he came across uh, a pornography magazine, a Playboy magazine, when he was just a young guy, eight years old. And a desire was sparked in him that he never chose to put to death. A desire was sparked in him that he chose to never deal with. And for years and years and years, upon conception, there was that growing of that sin you know, he went to school, he went to Bible school, he became a pastor, he worked in ministry for a long time. And then as an adult, he was faced with the reality that he had just been re- arrested. He had his home stripped of uh, all the electronics and technology that were in there. And he was taken and he was brought through the court system and had to serve time because the sin that birthed a desire in him at a young age, continued to grow and grow and grow until it brought death. He ended up being arrested for possession of child pornography, and his whole life was shattered. But not only that, not only was his life shattered, the lives of all the people that he had ministered to and talked to and cared for and been around were also shattered. And it has been a long rebuilding process for some of those ones. The reality is is that when sin comes into our lives and we don't see it and deal with it and run the other direction from it, no matter how desirable it might seem, it will eventually bring death. It's interesting, though, how we can know these things factually yet still find a way to let this violate our conscience. We can still find a way to let these things get into our lives and we ignore the Holy Spirit, we ignore God's prompting to say run away and we still choose to indulge and we justify over and over again. We try to make it make sense. or We gather people around us that support our decision making that actually brings us to a place of hurt and brokenness. And then we finally when we identify what's going on and we realize that we've sinned and we've done something we shouldn't be doing, you've all done that. You've made those midnight trips to McDonald's and got yourself a shamrock shake and pounded it down before you got home and then tossed the cup in the garbage can when you went inside because you didn't want anybody to know what you just did. I'm not saying I've done that. But I've done that. Anyway. And you, and you ask yourself the question, what did I just do? Why did I just do that? Riker's, Riker's on the time delay laugh up in the corner over there. Why did I just do it? 
And that's the next big thing we want to ask ourselves is why did I just do that? So let's, let's take a look here at what it says in Romans chapter 7, 13 to 20. It says, did that which is good then bring death to me? No, 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 no. And he's continuing on from what he said in the previous passage there, right? Uh, and so, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. But did that which is good then bring me death? No. You see, it was sin producing death in me through what is good. That's right. Did you know that the enemy can actually use something that is intended for good and holy and righteous works and actually turn those things over to cause death and condemnation and brokenness in our lives? The very good thing that God has in store for you is something that the enemy will try to turn, even just a degree to the left or a degree to the right, and bring you to a road that is far from the destination that God has intended for you. By no means. See, it was sin that produced death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if you do what I do not want, sorry, now if I do what I don't want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that the, so I, for, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. See, in reality, we often don't fully understand our own actions. Often some of our worst actions are actually born out of a deep brokenness. They're born out of a, a deeper pain that we're actually unable to face. Often they come from some flawed mechanism in trying to cope with the actual deeper hurt that we have in our lives. Maybe you're in a position where you cannot help but chasing after bedmate after bedmate after bedmate, somebody just to be with in the evening. And the reality is, is where, where is that coming from? That's coming from a pain inside. Or maybe the pain that you're wrestling with today has brought, a for, brought forth an addiction. That's drugs to try to just push it aside. Alcoholism so you don't have to face it at night when you're alone by yourself. Maybe the, the thing that you keep wrestling with, it's pornography, and, and, and you know the very good thing that God has intended for you and your spouse, you've had this thing switch in your mind that you can't have the intimacy that you ought to have, and so you run to other things. And you can find example after example after example, but the reality is, is that we chase after the things that we ought not to be doing because there's a brokenness in our heart and a fear to truly dig into God. And really, I think actually, if we're really going to go there, I think what it comes down to is there's a fear of actually being vulnerable because vulnerability is equated to a weakness in our society. But what does it look like when there is a level of brokenness before people around you or before the Lord, and instead of being shamed or ridiculed, you're actually taken in and loved? You see, that's the love of Christ that begins to transform our lives and change those patterns. 
Instead of running to God, sometimes we don't even know how to run to God. We run to the very sin that captivated us and has broken us. You see, Satan's sneaky. He's really sneaky, and what he'll do is he'll try to put things in your life that are attractive by nature, things that you want to chase after or that maybe will numb the issues that you're facing. He'll present opportunities over and over and over again, and he'll wear you down, but you need to recognize his tricks and his schemes so you can actually take a stand. And there's bravery in taking a stand. There's bravery in saying, no, not today, Satan. We need shirts that say that. You know, like New Life Church, but on the back, not today, Satan. And the reality is, is, if anybody wants to get on top of that, get on top of that now, put the order in, not today, Satan. Maybe put that in the comment section below, not today, Satan. And did you know that you can take a stand right now in this moment instead of letting your brain wander, letting your mind run to the lies of the enemy that are speaking this about so-and-so, that about so-and-so, such-and-such about your spouse. And you can take a stand right now and say, not today, Satan. And it says in the word of God that when you take a stand against the enemy and his schemes, he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee. Rather than indulge in the moment, do what you feel is right, follow your heart, say no to that stuff and take a stand today and say not today, Satan. And maybe you got to repeat that over and over again, put it on blast, have it in your headphones, run it constantly and remember moment by moment until there is a reprieve, not today, Satan. Don't let the enemy take advantage of you. The world has already taken advantage of you. Maybe a person in your life has already taken advantage of you. Maybe life itself has taken advantage of you. Today is your option to say, not today, Satan. Don't let him take advantage of you. Don't let him have the better hand. Recognize how he goes after you. Recognize how he is chasing after you. Recognize how he is putting things in your life to trip you up and get a hold of those things and say, not today. Because when you're faced with the reality of doing the very things you don't want to do, you can either run away from God in shame or you can take a stand against the enemy and his schemes and say, you got me once, shame on you. I'm not going to let you get me again. Run the other direction. And you have a choice. That choice will come maybe in this moment. It will come later this afternoon. It'll come at nighttime as you're trying to get ready for bed. It will happen over and over and over again this week. That choice will come to resist the enemy and run the other direction. And you can either give in and let him put his claws in you and take control of your life and lose another portion of who you are to another abuser, to another person who desires to ruin you, or you can take a stand and say, not today, Satan, my life belongs belongs to the Lord. Today you have an option to choose who has control over you. Today you have an option to choose who is king in your life. Today you have the option to choose who you will give your life to. And you can carry down the same road that you've always carried down over and over and over again and say, it's just not my fault. I can't get out of it. I'm just in a cycle. Or you can be brave today and stop and say, not today, Satan. I will not go down this road again. And pick up the phone, send a text message, get on Facebook, get a hold of somebody who loves you and who will speak truth into your life. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in your life. Don't let him get a hold of your heart. 
Don't let him begin warping you and changing you and transforming you away from what God has intended for you today. You see, the reality is, is that he is a defeated foe. He's already lost. And because he's going down, he wants to take anybody he can with him. Do not give him that benefit. I want you to know this morning that you are braver and more courageous than you've ever given yourself credit for. You have more strength and authority in Jesus Christ than you ever thought was possible. And I dare you today, I dare you today to take a stand against the enemy and say, not today, Satan, and walk the other direction. Because when you resist him, he'll realize you're no longer an easy target and he's not going to come after you anymore. Sure, he'll try other things in the future and you got to be on watch for that. But he won't chase after you with that anymore. You can have victory over the things that have tried to ruin your life in this moment, today, right now, when you take a stand in the name of Jesus against the enemy and his schemes. Don't let him defeat you. Do not be a weak believer. Believe in the power of Jesus Christ that has defeated death and defeated the grave and has overcome sin. Today, you can be an overcomer in the name of Jesus and take that stand. Church, I want, if there's anything you take away from this morning, I want you to know that you have the authority in Jesus' name to take a stand and walk the other direction from the things that are bringing ruin to your life. You are brave enough because of Jesus. You are strong enough because of Jesus. Do not let Satan get a hold of your life. And if he does and you slip, don't say, hey, I've already gone this far. I might as well go all the way. Don't do that. Make a choice to grab hold of who Christ is and get back up to where you were. Everybody wants a little control over life. Everybody wants to have a handle on what's going on. And there is nothing more empowering than knowing that you can resist the plans of destruction that Satan has for you, and you can take a stand because of Jesus. You see, the third point today is the truth is Jesus has delivered you. The truth is Jesus has actually delivered you already, and yet we still manage to live in the things that have brought us death. But Jesus has already given us life. He's promised it to us. He has already gone to death upon that cross, been buried for three days, risen again, defeated death and the grave, and given promise to you through his Holy Spirit that you will do greater things than even he did. Yet we live as a church that's impotent, powerless, broken because the world is broken. No, we are not of this world. We are of the kingdom of God because of his holy work. And we can choose to live in a victim mentality until the day we die, or we can choose to stand up and be full of power on high because of what Christ has accomplished. Can I get an amen for that? That is amen stuff right there. I don't care what's going on. You need to say amen right now because the reality is, is Jesus is great. He is greater than our sin. 
He is greater than the grave. He is greater than temptation. He is greater than your brokenness. He is greater than the abuse. He is greater than your abuser. He is greater than your credit score. He's greater than your housing situation. He's greater than the car you drive. He's greater than the bank account that you don't have. He is greater than the ground that you walk on. He's greater than the sky above and the earth below. He has defeated it all and taken it hostage. It is his to own and all your doing when you say yes to Satan is you're just giving him back the very things that Christ has already promised you. Don't let him steal your joy. Let your joy be anchored in Jesus. Let your joy be anchored in Jesus because he has already delivered you. Church, you are delivered. I want you to say in the comment section, I am delivered. I am delivered. What are the implications of that? Can you imagine what it would be like to wake up tomorrow knowing that you are free from the things that once bound you? You see, the only thing that's going to keep you in captivity is you choosing to stay there. Because what we know from the word of God is that Christ has promised we have authority over Satan and his work in the name of Jesus. So I don't want you to just say it. I want you to own it and believe it. In the name of Jesus, I am free indeed. This isn't just power of positive thinking stuff right here. This is power over the principalities of darkness in the world we live in. This is power from the most high God that has been given to you through Jesus Christ. And you might be new to this church thing. You might be tuning in and wonder, what on earth is this guy even talking about? I don't know what is going on right now. But I want you to know that when you are in your darkest moment, he is the brightest. When you are in your weakest place, he is strongest. And you simply need to start by saying, Jesus, I need you. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You have strength and freedom and joy and purpose in Jesus Christ. I love this. It's written by a guy named Gavin Ortland. Four steps to killing nagging sin. Four steps to killing nagging sin. If you're writing in the comment section, I want you to write, hate it. Number one, when you've got that sin that's going on in your life, the thing that's always nagging at you, and it could be anything. Maybe that's, maybe it's porn. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe it's cheating on tests, on your spouse, on whatever. Pick something. Maybe the very thing that is a sin in your life could be overeating or undereating. Maybe it is ruminating over and over again on failures from the past and not recognizing who you are in Jesus. That's also a sin. Maybe you've got sin going on in your life. The reality is, is you need to make a choice today to, number one, hate it. We want to kill that sin that's in our lives because we want to have life in Jesus Christ. So number one, hate that sin. Hate it. Number two, starve it. I want you to write it in the comment section. Starve it. Think about that sin. Maybe you just need to chase after another lover. Maybe you just need to chase after another meal. Maybe you just need to chase after more accolades from people because of your insecurity. Kill it. Starve it. Don't feed it. And when you begin to starve it, it will die. Number three, corner it. Put it in the comment section below. 
corner it. We want to hate it. We want to starve it. We want to corner it. The reality is we don't want to give it the opportunity to integrate itself in our lives. We want to identify it and corner it. I don't know about you guys, but I've had many times, even in the last couple of weeks, when it seems to be that there is just this barrage of attacks that come up in your life that attack you from every single corner, and you think like you're all alone, and you can't talk about it, and so you try to bear all the weight of it on your own, and it just runs around in your mind, and this thing that was once nothing has become a monster that's tormenting you. It's robbing you from sleep. It's taking your security away. You're feeling like an absolute disaster. You can't even think straight during the day because this thing has grown out of control and you haven't taken the opportunity to corner it and see it for what it is. See, the reality is when we corner that sin in our lives, we realize that it is nothing more than a scarecrow. It only has the power that we've given it. And when we see it for what it is, we can corner it, call it out, and cast it away. So we hate it. We starve it. We corner it. Number four, I want you to write this down in the comment section. We overwhelm it. I know you have been and I have been overwhelmed by the enemy trying to get a hold of us. We've been overwhelmed by the lies. Overwhelmed by the feeling of defeat. Overwhelmed by the brokenness. But you get to receive the power from God this morning when in the name of Jesus you take a stand against it and you overwhelm it with the declarations of truth that are in the scripture. You see, you are not dead. You are alive in Christ Jesus. You are not broken. You are actually made whole in Christ Jesus. You are not dead. In fact, you have life and you have been risen to life in Christ Jesus. You are not a slave anymore, but rather you are set free by the work of Christ on the cross and the chains that have bound you no longer bind you and you can walk forward in victory because of Christ. Declare the truth. Don't live in the lie of the enemy. Declare the truth of God. Don't falsely believe that the sin is more powerful than Christ. Overwhelm it and overcome it by the power of Jesus. And get people around you who can do the same. You are not alone. Christianity is not a solo faith. It is not just for you. It is for the community of believers. When you are overwhelmed and you feel like you can't talk to anyone, that is the very time you need to get out, pick up a phone, and start talking. Because you need to have the truth of God declared over you. I got some friends, and they were going through some challenges a bunch of years ago, and, and I was in their home, and, and when I was in their home, uh, you know, just praying over the family, they would experience the love of God, that the Holy Spirit would be present in their home and in their lives. I got out, I asked for a pad of sticky notes, and I got out a pad of sticky notes, and, and I just started writing declarations of God's truth and putting them on the mirrors of their bathroom window, a bathroom mirror, putting them on the mirror, all around the mirror, that when you look in the mirror, you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you look in the mirror, and you're surrounded surrounded by the truth and the promises of God and we need people in our lives that are doing that for us. There will be days when you are weak. There will be days when you are broken. There will be days when you do not have enough but you are not in this for a solo mission. You are part of a body of believers. The community of Christ that is the church. You reach out with your hands up and say I'm not giving in to sin today but I need help right now. I need Jesus, and I need my friends and my family to be praying for me. Please pray for me. 
and let them speak truth into your life. I don't know, guys, do we have a song we can close with? We're going to close with a song. And I want to read this passage of Scripture to you, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. It says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Today, guys, today, maybe this is the first time, today if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you have been given the right to overcome. You have been given the right to take a stand. You have been given the right to stare sin in the eye and say, not today, Satan. Do not let the enemy get a grip on your life by letting you feel you're alone. You speak the truth of the gospel and you declare it right now. And let other believers who love you passionately speak truth into your life. And the truth, sometimes it hurts, but we endeavor to speak truth in love. That is our call. That is our mandate to speak truth in love. So come alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ this week and speak truth in love. Let them know that they are loved. And when they say, I don't feel unlovable, you say, that is a lie. The truth is that you are loved. And you declare, I am loved. I am free. I am no longer a victim. I am no longer bound to what I used to do or who I used to be. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Church, how wild would it be if our community around us and the people we're connected with got a glimpse of what it looks like for people to be free. There is freedom and there is power in the name of Jesus. And today, today, you can see your sin for what it is and you can hate it. You can starve it. You can corner it. And you can overwhelm it with the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that you were once dead in your sins, but now you're alive in Christ Jesus. I know Marie and I are gone for a month. In this next month, I want you to be on your knees before the Lord. I want you to be overcomers. I want you to be victorious. I want you to take a stand against the enemy's schemes. And when we get back, I want to hear the testimonies of what God has done in your life, in your home, in your family, in the circle of people you influence. I want to know what God has done when we get back because I believe in this next month as God prepares us for the fall, he is preparing you to not just be weak believers but rather he is preparing you to be bold and confident overcomers in the faith that aren't easily derailed, that aren't easily distracted, that aren't easily dismayed or depressed, but rather you choose every day to give God the glory, take a stand, and know that he is great.
Heavenly Father, bless the church. Bless your church today. We love you, God, and we thank you for your mighty work. We praise you in your holy name. I thank you for who you are and what you've done. And Lord, I praise you for all you're doing. And church, remember, as you begin to take a stand and you begin to corner that stuff in your life that you've been running to, it's going to try fighting back. And it might seem really snarly and angry. It might show its fangs and you might get scared, but the reality is is that it only has the power and the strength that you give it. Remember that when you take a stand against the enemy and his schemes, he'll flee from you. So you corner that confidently. You stand upon the truth of the word. You know that Jesus is actually more powerful than the sin that has enslaved you. And you declare that truth over and over again. Get your sticky notes out. Get out that Sharpie. Write about the declarations of who God is. Put them around your mirror so you see them in the morning. Put them on your windshield. Don't cover your eyes when you're driving. Put them on your rearview mirror because you're all about going forward. It has nothing to do about going backwards in life. You remember the declarations of who God is and you walk forward. You move forward in those this week. I want to see sticky notes all over Castlegar about the promises of God. I want to see them on the chip aisle in Safeway when you're in there and that's all you want to eat. But you make a choice to say, no, not today, Satan. That's right. I want somebody today to go to that chip aisle and put not today Satan on those Doritos because I know I'm going there after church and i got to make a stand and say not today Satan. When you're thinking about getting on your computer later at night than you ought to be, put that sticky note on the screen, not today Satan. When you're picking up your phone because you just can't help but be angry at someone and text them something terrible, put a sticky note on that, not today Satan. When you think about fighting with your spouse and you just want to pick up the things that have already been dealt with, get out that sticky note. Not today, Satan. When you've had a hard day at work and life is too tough and you just want to numb out for a while and you're reaching for the bottle or you're reaching for the drugs, put it down the sink, flush it down the toilet, Don't give it away to somebody else because that's not for them to deal with. And on your cupboard door, on your closet door, on your bedside table drawer, put down that sticky note. Not today, Satan. Amen.